this again. All right, important question. Let's hear it. Do we accept sponsorships on this podcast? <laughs> um, I think we should definitely accept like donations of beer, right, uh, or coffee. Okay. Like in the very theoretical future, if we wanted to do a Patreon and there's like a buy me a coffee level, that seems reasonable. Corporate sponsorships. What about beer or coffee companies? Yeah. Totally for it. Like if we got paid, I would say something like Brune Belgian Abbey <laughs> style ale is powering this particular <laughs> podcast. This discussion brought to you by beer.com. I mean, in fairness, I think beer and coffee are have like a huge great like tradition in in at least the Western and Middle Eastern like traditions of of being like sources of debate. Yeah, social lubricants, yeah. coffee houses as a meeting place to Usually for revolutionaries. Yeah. Those damn revolutionaries. Or, like, beatniks, intellectuals. Right. Are beatniks intellectuals? No. That's okay. why I separated yeah. them. Thank you. Okay, that's... <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page there. Reasonable <laughs> agreement. We don't even need this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I mean, some people, some of them seem sort of intellectual. Let's not get carried away. Yeah. That's... What about introducing does. the show, though? Right. So, like the show... the first episode. Yeah. This is Reasonable Disagreement, uh... I'm Kevin. I'm Rory. And we are going to disagree about stuff. The reason we want to do this was that it sort of seems like there's not a lot of room for disagreement in the culture right now. A lot of the sort of strident nature, especially of online discussions. The internet's man. Polarization, you know, you get you get people taking the extreme positions to score points and anyone who disagrees is vilified and demonized and cast out like a scapegoat that's actually a really good point like one, one thing I, I notice a lot is when people comment on articles they are typically doing that thing scoring points right yeah. so they like make sure to drop all the relevant buzzwords yeah. make sure to like hit the high points yeah exactly like all the outrage notes have to be properly exactly. calibrated like, right? I, I heard this quote I forget where it came from but I think it's one of those old, like, scientist people, Richard Feynman or something. Check the show notes. Yeah. But it's ten times harder to refute bullshit than it is to come up with it. <laughs> so, like, you're not going to score a bunch of likes by having a very detailed, citation-filled answer to someone saying, this is the stupids, and you are the culturally appropriative person. Yeah, I know. I, I wrote that article <laughs> no one liked yesterday it. and not life. a single fucking person has commented on it i commented on it That's i told true. you you used a word wrong well you, <laughs> Thanks, ma- you made up a word that i did didn't invent exist. a word uh it can exist now language is fluid Con- convolvement Con- convolvence convolvence yeah it's not important anyway. it means conflation just assume <laughs> every time i say convolvence i mean conflation <laughs> so reasonable disagreement will mean like we try not to argue by volume we try not to argue by insult we instead try and have at least a, a logical basis like a a follows b uh here are my fundamental beliefs here are my assumptions and then the things i build off those beliefs and thus i reach this conclusion and then rory you could be like hmm, no you're wrong about that interpretation there that does not follow yeah or the like the or i i have reason to believe that the facts are different than you state right sure um i've been wrong about facts before haven't we all except for me obviously yeah 
I've never seen that happen. <laughs> Conflation. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're both very uh, empirically grounded. Things that will be accepted as evidence in this kind of forum are like scientific studies have a lot of weight, probably. Yeah. Um, in a way that like that story that that guy at the bus stop told you. It has less weight. Well, yeah, less weight. Less. Not no weight, for sure. We're I mean, good Bayesians. It's a sample size of one. And uh, and that guy was drunk. One is bigger than zero. Yeah. So som- sometimes I, yeah. I have a personal saying, uh, which is a study is just a bunch of anecdotes put together. And <laughs> you're looking at me like I'm. An animal. It's which a is really, fair. it's a really good, stu- it's a really good saying. It's super pithy. It's when you like. <laughs> yeah, studies are collections of anecdotes. It, it's what happened to a bunch of people in a systematic way, and one person is not systematic, but it, it's still a data point. And if you collect enough of those anecdotes, sometimes it can paint a picture that may not be, you know, completely valid or completely true to what's actually going on. But it can have you know, tones and shades of, of truth. And so I think it's right. valuable in that way. But not as valuable as a scientific study, clearly. Way less valuable. Way less. Okay. Um, so welcome back to Reasonable Disagreement. Uh, first, a word from our sponsors. This is Alesmith Brewing Company. Uh, we're drinking their 2015 anniversary ale, Decadence. It's tasty. Hold on, let me... It's also a play on words. It's 10% alcohol, and it's decades. Deca. Yeah, oh, I get it. 10th anniversary. Very well done, Alesmith. It's tasty. It's it's really good. Also, it's 10% alcohol. We're going to have a really good argument. It's like... Mm. I want to say smoky, but also sort of fruity. Yeah, it's like a classic Belgian, like those fruit notes. Uh, That's tasty. So... When we say appropriation, what do we mean by that? Let's let's get some definitions on the record here so we know we're grounded in this debate. Okay. So, I think the there are a couple like definitions of cultural appropriation that I have noticed or tried to like extract from popular debate. Yeah. I think there's one that's really stupid that I just want to get out of the way. Yeah. Here it is. Taking intellectual property, traditional knowledge, cultural expressions or artifacts from someone else's culture without permission. This can include unauthorized use of another culture's dance, dress, music, language, folklore, cuisine, traditional medicine, religious symbols, etc. Yeah, Kevin, so, what's wrong with that definition? So, to me, the biggest problem would be who gives permission. Like, a culture is not a person that you can go up to and be like, is it okay if I wear a kimono? Like, you can't get japan as an entity to respond to that so japan is actually an entity and it's I a legal entity but actually maybe they do have statements on i'm sure they anyway do. <laughs> <laughs> to me the problem with that is getting consensus from a distributed entity such as a whole culture to give permission so right i, I think that's one problem with it i actually think there's an even worse problem with it which mm-hmm. is that it doesn't talk at all about power and yeah. it seems like yeah, the people dynamics. who are sensible in this debate are concerned about power dynamics. Absolutely. And that, if you ignore power dynamics, then what that statement is basically gives like the same protections to, uh, like, I don't know, what's like a what's like the most American thing? Hot dogs. 
Uh, oh, no. Here's what I would do. eagles crying over flags. No, no, no. Here's what I'd do. It would prevent people who consider themselves part of traditional African-American culture from writing, like, stage musicals. Because that's not Because their... it's not their thing, right? Yeah. It's the white person thing. Right. And I think in any sane definition, we don't want to prevent that. So yeah. we can discount this this definition, which doesn't include the idea of power dynamics and has this weird concept of permission. Yeah. I think we, I I think, I think we'll see like other permission constructs elsewhere or maybe not permission, but like barriers to entry Mm -hmm. in much more reasonable definitions. But I don't think any reasonable definition ignores power dynamics. So I think we can just discard that out of hand. Yeah. So that definition doesn't make sense to me. Let's, let's move on. All right. Here's another one. Um, Use by members of traditionally privileged groups of the cultural output of traditionally oppressed or underrepresented groups, especially if the underprivileged group in question has expressed objections to the use of their cultural output by that group or individual. Yeah, so I I think this might be derived from one of my own positions uh, when we were discussing this earlier on on the Internet. Um, And to me... We talked about this before. I'm sorry. It sort of comes down to politeness. And I think, generally speaking, it's pretty good to be polite. It it keeps society functioning. It's it's better than not being polite in a lot of circumstances. Um, and generally, if someone asks you to stop doing something, and it's not going to hurt you to stop doing that thing, then it's polite to to not do it. So wait, okay. So hold on. Uh, before you move on to the arguments in favor section, is this like the definition of cultural oppression that you're most interested in interrogating? Um, I, I think it could use some additions to it. it. It has power dynamics in it, but it could, it could also include more of like the harms, like specific harms beyond just going to objection because you might object to things that don't actually harm you. Right. And, whether we want to prohibit such things is kind of a sticky issue. So I'm, I'm willing to give politeness. Like I personally, if someone asks me to do something that isn't hurting me, I will generally do it, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to take that as scripture and say that every time someone asks us to do something, we have to, sometimes we have to say, no, I am doing this. It's not hurting you. So fuck off. Um, so right. okay, if so I were to add anything to that, it would be the concept of harm beyond just That's objection. interesting because I, I think that, that harm thing is really important to like my conception of it. So maybe we'll have to like talk, un- unwind that in a little mm-hmm. bit more depth. Before we move on from the definition section, though, I just want to bring one definition into this. So that definition we just heard is one that I like coined out of like a synthesis of a bunch of stuff I read about this for this episode. Uh-huh. The first one was a quote, and I want to end with another one that's a quote. This is a, from an ar- article about Iggy Azalea, and I think... It's much. It's more colloquial, but I think it mm. gestures at like the temper of the debate a lot. The bad Azalea. Is there? What's the good Azalea? Azalea Banks. I'm sorry. I'm not up on the things. Uh, I'm gonna ruin you, and then the c word. Oh, or, right. Do we use the c word here? I don't. Yes, know. we can swear on this podcast. That's <laughs> so it's so strong. It's so powerful. Um. Anyway, it's a great uh, song. Check it out. Azalea so, Banks. Here, here's the definition. Appropriation is taking something that doesn't belong to you and wasn't made for you, that is not endemic to your experience, mm-hmm. that is not necessary for your survival, and using it to sound cool and make money. Now, obviously, this isn't like trying to be like a precise and technical definition the way the others were, mm-hmm. um, 
But I think it gestures at a lot of the like impulses in this debate. To me, that one captures the zeitgeist a lot. What people are saying. What and people what, are concerned about. What in a this lot of people con- conversation engaging with the debate mean by right. Yeah. Right. So I think I think for the purposes of this discussion, I'd be interested in talking about this nuanced one with and without like the harm discussion. Uh-huh. But I think it's it's worth keeping in mind. There's a lot more baggage in the colloquial definition about earning a right to a certain kind of expression. Right. Um, and that 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 membership, you could say. Yeah. And I think that that drives a lot of how I think about the debate. So I want I wanted to bring it bring it in. Yeah. So was that something Iggy is it? Azalea said or was said about her? That was said as an objection to the way that she is, yeah. right? So Iggy Azalea, for those of you who don't know, is Australian and white. She grew up mostly in the like southern uh, United States, and she raps some. She spits like low temperature fire. Right. There's like a... Anyway, we'll call her a rap artist. She's definitely like participating in a, a musical tradition that is predominantly black and in this like southern rap tradition in particular. Um, and many people have expressed concerns with her participation therein. Uh, she's like a common example of cultural appropriation. That's true. So that's that's the context. Okay. Uh, but what about your definition? I think you have a separate definition that you feel more comfortable with. So so I don't I don't really have a separate definition for cultural appropriation. I think that the debate around cultural appropriation uses those kind like the two last two definitions are like good encapsulations of what people typically mean by cultural appropriation. Right. Fair. Uh, and I, I typically, I'm going to give away my position. Well, that's what we're doing now. Yeah. Okay. We're establishing our position. So my yes, position yeah. is basically that those definitions, the nuanced one without the harm yeah. caveat, and also this colloquial one that we heard about Iggy Azalea is, I don't think either of those hold water. I basically don't think that those are, are good ways of policing the way that we discuss things. Interesting. Um, I, I do think there are constraints on what people can and should do. but what, What's right to do. Right. But, but I, I don't think that those are good ways of thinking about it. Okay. That, that's where I start. Let's just start with the idea that we're trying to figure out right behavior right. without necessarily getting into what makes behavior right. Yeah. I know it when I see it, as you could say. For sure. We're, we're going to appeal to people's intuitions about what's right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, well, then let's, let's go to what you think the real issue is. So you, Rory, have an opinion on what is actually defensible in terms of cultural interaction. Yeah, so I, I think maybe I can like start by setting forward like, uh, the principle that I think is good for... Ways in which you should not engage with another culture, basically. Yeah. You definitely cannot use a group's cultural output to attack that group or profit at its expense. And you can't extract their cultural output through coercion for any purpose, right? Maybe coercion I, is wrong. Yeah. Black exploitation is a really good example in, in this context, right? Like, there are all these, like, movies where black actors and sort of black music, black fashion were taken advantage of by white producers for enormous monetary gain that didn't really trickle down and kind of also ridiculed and separated people of color. Yeah. That is definitely coerced extraction and also almost certainly uh, profit at the expense of the 
right the group in question right to me that is like totally indefensible wrong right yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great examples of that unfortunately in america uh <laughs> with respect to like african-american culture output in particular like the history of early black music where white owned record labels and producers and things like that just basically got them got black musicians to sign contracts that fuck them yeah Here's all my profits forever, and you own me. Yeah, uh, definitely record labels have not always had the interests of their artists in mind. One could even say that that extends beyond just black people and that art, musical artists in general are exploited in that way, but perhaps it becomes even worse in the context of power dynamics of the white people. Yeah, no, I think that's totally true, right? Like, you, If you look at like white musicians at that same time, like the record companies are still accruing a lot more money than they are adding value. Sure. But the, like, even by industry standards, yeah, <laughs> black people were fucked over, right? And I think that kind of consideration, like, when by industry standards, a cultural group is being fucked over by a certain kind of transaction, mm-hmm. is that's like a, that to me is like a really big red flag. Like, there's basically no defensible, like, situation there. That's basically where I draw the line, is when you're doing something like that... Profiting off the back of another culture. Right. Not just profiting. The other thing I would say... Attacking and doing harm. Yeah. Attacking is maybe the wrong word because it implies intentionality. I think people can accidentally do harm. Producing cultural output that is perpetuating negative stereotypes, for instance. Like, Mm -hmm. that to me is also covered by this definition like it's really bad to entrench bad beliefs about other cultures yeah i agree with both your premises on things that are bad i think that people who don't agree with both those premises on things that are bad are really bad people that's a that's going pretty far so it seems like the interesting thing to me is the difference between what I consider bad and what you consider bad. Right. It seems like there's a there's a gray area there. There's things we both consider bad, and there's things we both consider okay. What's the thing that is commonly like classified as cultural appropriation that you think is okay? Well, commonly is is strong, but there's this example: a group of students at some college, I want to say Ivy League, certainly East Coast complaining about the sushi in their cafeteria being cultural appropriation. And Got it. I just, I don't, that seems crazy to me. I think you can eat the food of other cultures. That seems very reasonable to me. I don't think the cafeteria or the university is profiting enormously off of having sushi. I think they're doing that as, you know, here's a chance to experience other cultures. I think that's a positive thing. So, well, what if the sushi is like inauthentic and not a fair representation of Japanese culture? I think bad food in cafeterias is real life. And uh, <laughs> it being Japanese does not... Have, have you ever gone to a cafeteria and been like, what is this filth? I now think that Mexicans, because this burrito was bad, are whatever. Well, if that's, I, your I only, so. like, if that's your only point of contact with that culture, maybe. Do you think that there are any food-related cultural appropriations? I think it's theoretically possible, but I don't know of any in particular. So... So talking about the gray area between our positions, so we've established that profiting off the back of or perpetuating racist stereotypes, that's a bad thing to do with other people's cultural output. And we've, I think, despite your objections, you agree that sushi in cafeterias 
Oh, I don't. Yeah, I hella don't care about sushi in it's, cafeterias. It's okay. I think it should be okay to have sushi in the cafeteria, even if it's not. I think it should be mandatory. <laughs> like, yeah, I wish my college cafeteria had super authentic sushi too, but I don't think complaining about the bad food in your cafeteria needs to be grounded in a cultural discourse. <laughs> um, okay. But between those, so I think that. And let's take a concrete example here The Native American headdress thing I know we disagree on this point Yeah, I think it's a problem And because Native American people say it's a problem That's a big thing So this this goes to the politeness issue They're asking you to stop It doesn't hurt you to stop Yeah, it it's a cool hat You could say If you're a douche But you don't It's a cool hat You don't <laughs> Point taken, douche. Uh, you don't need to wear that hat. There's plenty of other hats, and I bet there are some cool hats from your own culture that you know you're not you're not thinking about, or hats from cultures which perhaps were not genocided in America by white people. So maybe investigate some of those other hats. Is is my my basic premise on that one? In that I'm being asked to stop. Or if I were wearing headdresses, which I don't, they would be asking me to stop. And it's, it's disrespectful to their ceremonial and their religious and their spiritual identity. Even without buying into a religious or a spiritual or a ceremonial identity, like I don't have to believe in certain Native American spirits like Coyote as a trickster god to still say, that's important to you. I should be respectful and maybe not wear this headdress. But I'm interested to hear why you think it's okay. And maybe also, does it depend on if the headdress you're wearing, like, because there's a lot of costume shops, which are probably owned by white people, which sell headdresses. Maybe it would matter if it was sold to you by an, a legitimate Native American who had crafted this and was like, here, take this white man right have have my legitimate native american legitimate blessings with this legitimate headdress yeah yeah um i don't care about headdresses um i have a couple questions for you oh okay uh i think my first question is what percentage of native americans would need to be fine with you wearing a headdress for you to be fine with wearing a headdress i think it's it's inherently local. If the Native Americans around me object, then that's going to influence my opinion more. And honestly, that's not a huge number. We're talking like single digits. But the ones I do know and thus influence my opinion are opposed. And so if I were to go out and buy a headdress when I were doing that, I'd be thinking, wow, you know, Lee is very opposed to this. I'm doing this douchey thing that they don't like. Why is it more important to me to wear this cool hat than the opinion of this person who, you know, if they were to see a photo on Facebook or what have you, they would be hurt. Okay. In general, though, like if you had 10 Native American friends close, like they were equally proximate to you. All of them were 10 centimeters away. (laughs) That's too close. All of them were one meter away. That's still very close. All of them are less than half a mile away. A neighborhood. You see them regularly. Nine of them think it's fine. One of them thinks it's not. 
do you buy a headdress? Well, I in particular... If you think they're a cool hat. I in particular do not want a headdress, but I might think it would be okay to do that. Right. Um, but that would have to be balanced by the larger dialogue. Like, if the nine around me were pro and the one was anti, and then 90% of the discourse at large was please don't buy a headdress then maybe i'd try and investigate why my local conditions differed that much but it's because you're in san francisco surrounded by hippies possibly but what i'm saying is that i think there's agreement at large both between the local and the national discourse and i'm influenced by the local discourse but if those were in disagreement i would have to investigate why that was the case so uh the reason i bring this up is because of the washington redskins yeah so the washington redskins are like in a lot of ways like a poster child for cultural appropriation it's a mascot for a football team yeah and lots of different people and organizations have tried to get that mascot removed including like native american groups have sued yeah now someone actually bothered to do a poll and the results of that poll are really interesting to me because 90 percent of native americans think that the Washington redskins mascot is fine 90 percent 90 percent of those polled yeah but like it was a big poll it wasn't like a stupid little how big let's find out yeah so this is a case where facts might matter numbers might matter like 504 Native Americans in every state in the United States. Wow. Interesting. So that actually might change my opinion somewhat. Coming into this, I would have said, yeah, Redskins, that's a terrible name. They should change it. But that was based on an understanding of it being largely disliked by Native Americans. So the people I could see as being legitimately harmed by it would be Native Americans. And if 504 is a pretty good number of people... It's, it's a not, large number for a poll. Also, it's worth noting, as a, a comment on your media environment, that 23% of the U.S. population at large thought the team that should change should change its name. So, so twice as many Americans as Native Americans. Exactly. That's interesting. I generally would defer to the opinion of the people actually being affected by it. And now a special guest. I have a question about the poll. Yeah. Wait, Did, who are you? I'm Raina. This is Raina. She's our fact checker. Sometimes she might drop in with uh, the actual facts, like when I make up a quotation and she tells me what the actual quotation is. My question is, in the poll, did they ask specifically whether it was okay for the Washington Redskins to use the, that mascot in that name? Or was it like a greater opinion about like football teams in general who use a variety of names that are taken from Native Americans and mascots depicting that? Right, because this goes to your point about the Seminoles, is it? Yeah, there's a very similar result about the Seminoles. So I don't... Does Seminoles refer to a so there's Native a football American... there's a football team called the Florida called Florida State and their mascot is the Seminole. Is that not related to like a seminary? Like no, Seminoles are a kind of Indian Native American. Sorry, uh, that's an Indian a Native American tribe. Interesting, I didn't know that. Okay, so the anyway the Seminole tribe officially granted dispensation to Florida State, All right. which freed them from sanctions that the NCAA was trying to impose on them for their culturally appropriate <laughs> name. Wow. <laughs> uh, 
But other people but, who are also Seminole Indians have objected to it, right? So the point right, is, though, so, that uh, this discourse is governed by loud voices and not by popular voices. Yeah, so, interesting. So it seems like, to me, looking That's at crazy. these kinds so, of incidents... So more Seminoles object to the name the Seminoles than Native Americans object no, to Redskins? No, 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 no. The Seminole tribe approved this thing. Have- Some small group of fringe Seminoles... Objected. Okay, and so it's a small, it's a small. Yeah, yeah, number. yeah. In both cases, it's like a small minority are angry, and the majority of people don't give a shit. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to life as a Native American, what a football team is named probably has not very much relevance to you, right? Also, in general, in the context of mascots in particular, their celebrations of like prowess in a culture and not really like degrading in any like obvious affect way like lots of white people are rooting for the redskins and are excited about them like doing well right in the same and the seminoles are maybe a better example because they're actually a good college football team as opposed to like comically poor redskins but like in, in those cases like this is a symbol which is supposed to embody what is good about the team and as a result may seem like less likely to give offense than other contexts. Like the standard headdress context is one where I think that polling would... I haven't been able to find polling on this, but I'm really looking. And I would be very surprised if polling supported the like cultural appropriation dialogue position. If but you I, have polling, or if you're Native American, please let us know what you think. Yeah, call in. So within the context of the cultural appropriation debate, a really interesting point, and one I wanted to bring up was... Rick Bayless. So Rick Bayless has a Mexican restaurant in Chicago. He actually has a bunch of them. But one of them is a Michelin two-star rated restaurant. It's extremely... That's pretty good. ...hoity-toity. And he obviously is able to charge premium prices for it, right? Yeah. Many people have criticized Rick Bayless as... And as basically a cultural appropriator, right? Let's establish that he's white. Is, Is he white? Rick Bayless is a handsome white person. Okay. Yeah. Um, he's a, it sounds like a white name, but I just wanted to be sure. One, one thread that comes up a lot in this kind of discussion about cultural appropriation is earning a position. It's, it's okay, perhaps, for food if you pay your dues, right? but people would not consider it okay for the headdress. And I had an interesting thought on that, but you should go ahead. Right, so with respect to paying dues, Rick Bayless has fucking hella paid his dues, right? right? He's, like, researched, like, tons of Mexican cuisines, spent tons of time, like, getting original recipes, digging up stuff that's pre-colonial, understanding the mechanisms and recipes and things like that. The flavors, the spices. exactly. And the point is that it's very hard for me to imagine a world under which he has not paid his dues with respect to understanding this food. He probably understands it better than most other living people. Yeah, I, I would be very comfortable saying anyone accusing him is the douche. You so, know, but the douche arrow points towards the accuser who doesn't know him, doesn't know his work, and is ready to level baseless accusations without an understanding of what they're experiencing. So, but the other side of the pendulum, to take your side for a second, which is weird, is that he is a white dude who, by the benefits of his like social positioning and photogenicness and ability to talk to other white people is able to generate much larger margins on uh, the same the food profit, that immigrant yeah. people are not able to generate large margins on. Interesting. So but, is that cultural appropriation? 
Well, first of all, is it harm? And second of all, is it cultural appropriation? It's not clear to me. Like, are there... So are there people who are being harmed? Who would be being harmed? Potential restaurateurs who would charge higher margins who are pushed out by Rick Bayless. Is that... Because he's like fucking dope at making Mexican food and though they're dope, they're not as dope and they're also way less white and as a result, their business doesn't have like a position and he's rich. But should they be privileged on their Mexicanness versus someone who has thoroughly studied this and can do it well? When it comes to executing something, does skill matter or does origin matter? For the record, I'm half Chinese. Uh, let's put it out there. But I'm the whitest person. I my connection to Chinese culture is not particularly strong, and I can certainly imagine a 100% white person who's much better at cooking Chinese food than me. And I would say that that person is entitled to more money from from their work than me. Like I should not be able to start a food truck or whatever that creates Chinese food and is somehow privileged due to my heritage rather than my skill at making Chinese food. So I'm not seeing harm. Yeah, I tend to agree. I don't think there is harm. I think it it might feel like injustice to some people, but I think that they're wrong, basically. That seems reasonable to me. If we had examples of an up-and-coming young Mexican restaurateur who had the same skills and had a restaurant where he was preparing these foods and it just failed while people were going to Rick Bayless's restaurant. That might sway me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's happening. I think it's actually kind of the opposite. Chicago actually has a really booming and improving Mexican food scene. And a lot of people have attributed that to the influence of Rick Bayless's restaurants on people's palates. So Rick Bayless has this like one big fancy restaurant called Topolabamba, which is the like Michelin starred one. But he also has a sandwich place, a torta place, and sells amazing tortas. And he actually has in O'Hare a restaurant in the airport. Yeah, called Frontera, uh, which is the best airport food you will ever eat. Frontera. I, they're not paying us. I just fucking love <laughs> that restaurant. But we do accept tortas. Yeah. For sure, especially if they're Frontera tortas. Uh, the point is, that restaurant is fucking dope. It's in O'Hare, and tons of people eat at it, right? In terms of like exposure to Mexican culture and cuisine, it seems like it's actually improving the lives of Mexican chefs in Chicago. So I, I think we've established some agreements and some disagreements. Right. Let's interrogate those disagreements more, because it seems like we... It seems like we might actually be both mostly concerned with harm. Yeah. Which I would argue is very different from what most of this debate is about. I, again, I want to harken back to that Azalea quote. I think most of the discussion is about earning a right to something, some like form of expression. And in many contexts, it seems like the discussion implies that the only people who can earn that right are people who have come up in that culture. Yeah, I think that is the popular discussion. I'd be interested if you have, if you're like interested in defending that on its merits, or if we should just move no, totally to harm. No, I think, I think we should move to harm. I've been influenced, you could say, by this discussion. Certainly, the polling of Native Americans on the Redskins issue surprised me pretty, pretty surprisingly. <laughs> like, I would not have expected that coming in here, and. I don't think that someone has to come up in a culture to be able to evince it. There's certainly cases where it's, 
you know, it's it's a little questionable. The dances with wolves, white man saves the natives narrative. But I think white men or white people in general can study and identify with other cultures and respectfully create things in that tradition. You know, this is the Rick Bayless discussion we were just having. Like, I'm still totally fine with headdresses. Which is wrong, but... Right. It's not wrong, but you're still not fine with headdresses even after we've discussed this polling thing, right? Well, we haven't established a polling for Native Americans on the headdress issue. If the national numbers reflected the kind of trend that you see in the Redskin discussion... It would, it would certainly update my opinion. I, I would discount more the opinions of non-Native people who tell me that headdresses are not okay. Because let's be real, a lot of discourse is centered around white people. It's white people debating amongst themselves whether or not something is kind okay. Kind of like how this podcast is to basically white people. Fuck you, white privilege. <laughs> I'm half Chinese, all right? I came up on the street... So what do we disagree about still? Because I think we disagree on the politeness issue. So Okay, yeah, let's I, get back to that then. I am influenced by Native Americans I know uh, who tell me that I should not, or rather really the bros that I see in certain places should not wear Native American headdresses because it offends them. It... It harms them. It it makes light of their spiritual practice, and (laughs) and let's not get into spiritual practice (laughs) as a valid form of anything because that's far beyond the scope of this podcast. But they tell me this. I am influenced by them. I think it would not cost the bros around me anything to stop wearing that headdress and instead wear. The captain's hat. Cool hat. No, the captain's hat. A different cool hat. They're wearing the captain's hat. It's those are cool hats. 2016 captain's hat. It's in. You should wear it if we you're. We just a bro. went to Burning Man. We saw a lot of bros and oh, so hats. many captains' hats. <laughs> Only a few headdresses. I Less saw, than last year. Uh, so the interesting point I had wanted to make about the paying of dues and thus the the acceptance into and the appropriateness of using headdresses in particular is that. At Burning Man this year, I saw a person, well, I saw multiple people in headdresses, not a large number, but at least two hands worth of people. And I saw one person who was like all out, like full garb, full costume, full regalia, face paint, war paint. Oh, interesting. And I was a lot less inclined. I could not identify just by looking at their face painted face whether or not they had Native American heritage, which seems like a... It's a tricky widget, but I was certainly less inclined to say you're doing something rude right now. Um, than because some it bro seemed with a headdress. Exactly. Who's wearing It's like a popped collar stun- and a headdress. Stunner shades, popped collar, and a five dollar costume store headdress. Like real feathers, real beads. That struck me as at least authentic in a way that it's possible to not be authentic. So execution. So right. I think that it's all about execution, frankly. A really common pattern in these debates is that some person depicts some culture that they are not part of badly, right? They do something dumb. Inauthentically. Like they say, these people do this thing when they don't do that thing. 
the first move that usually happens as a result of that is everybody's like, white person culturally appropriates thing. It's awful. You should white people shouldn't write about any people that aren't white. They deserve death. Right. Literal Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> Literal Hitler has written a book. It's called Mein Kampf. <laughs> and it depicts a black person. Damn them. So, and and then there are two things that happen as a result of that knee-jerk reaction. The first is that a coalition of racists and reasonable people, which is an <laughs> unusual coalition, but really unfortunately is Strange triggered often in this case, go and say, well, if white people can't write about black people, then the world is ending or something like that, right? How will we write about anything? Right. And I- then creative expression is over and censorship, but also we're racist. <laughs> And it's great to depict black people as, like, horrible stereotypes. And that's bad, I would say. Bad is... I'm comfortable with bad. (laughs) Then there's, like, the other set of people, non-racists, also less confused people, who are still, like, thinking intelligently. They're trying to do something of value that is still respectful to the people they're depicting. Right. People are like, okay, well, they did this really badly, We're not saying that no white people should write people of color, that white people should never try to replicate or discuss the experiences of people of color. Your obligation is just to do it well. Yeah, put some effort in. Do some research. Like, well, And sometimes you have to do a lot of research. Yeah, and it's difficult because you have to do a lot more evaluation. I think... A lot of the both the cultural appropriation narrative and the cultural appropriation doesn't exist narrative are attractive because it simplifies your thinking. You can just say, no, that's bad. It's cultural appropriation. Or you can say, no, it's fine. Cultural appropriation doesn't exist. It, it sort of absolves you of thinking on a case-by-case basis right. of, was this done well? If Rick Bayless, the, the chef mentioned earlier, has actually studied in, has skills in Mexican cuisine, He can probably do Mexican cuisine. But if someone in San Francisco has decided that Mexican food trucks are the next big thing and does it without any actual study in that heritage, they can certainly do it wrong and do it in a disrespectful way and hand out tiny sombreros without any regard to the culture they're taking it from. And that can be wrong. Ultimately, it comes down to how is it done in each case? Like, is this done in a way that is respectful and regarding and studied of the culture being depicted? Okay, so I disagree with some of the things you're saying because I don't care about sombreros. (laughs) You fucking love hats. I mostly don't care about sombreros. I really like hats. It's all about hats with you, This may be a biasing factor in this podcast. I love hats. Uh, That's Uh, fine. Tell me about why... It's it's okay for the San Francisco appropriator to start a food truck without talking to any Mexican people and hand out sombreros. He's white, <laughs> by <laughs> no, the way. I'm totally. I'm I'm almost a hundred percent. I'm not fully a hundred percent, but I'm almost a hundred percent. Ninety percent. Yeah. So the thing I'm worried about in this scenario is perpetuating some sort of like lazy Mexican stereotype yeah. with respect to the sombrero being like a leisure hat that you use to shade yourself while you nap. That is the piece of that that I would be worried about. I don't give a shit whether you have studied tacos. If you make a delicious taco, I am down with you. And I don't care that if you just saw that taco one time and you were like, oh, I can probably do a taco. 
That's great for me. Okay. I don't think that you have an obligation to study things that you think are cool. I think you have an obligation to not belittle or perpetuate harms against people who are different from you. When is it a harm? Maybe I can do a better job of describing when it is a harm by describing when it's definitely not a harm. Okay. Okay. So the, the thing that I think a, is... A negative space approach. Yeah. I think it's not a harm if the thing that someone is doing is inviting themselves into your identity. A lot of these, I I think actually all of the cultural appropriation, like pushback, is about protecting uh, tribal identities and basically saying that you need to be a member of this group in order to participate in this thing. I basically think that every time that someone's objection is that you're not a member. You're not a member by virtue of whatever membership test you're using, uh-huh. then they're wrong and they're just being offended. And I think that a, a, a much better way of looking at it is you are hurting the members. Like you are taking something away from them or you are placing an obligation on them. Yeah. Like those, that, like those are the conditions under which like I think it's reasonable to say this is harm. Their discomfort because you are claiming kinship is not a harm. Yeah, I would largely agree that the definition of harm has been expanded too much. But that's not how the discourse works. It's it's largely right not. And that's one of the disappointing things that has led us to create this show. How can we talk about things in a reasonable way that approaches some truth? Let's not say that we have the truth here. but I think we're basically right at this <laughs> We've moved perhaps in the direction of truth and we've done our best. We've made an honest and a reasonable attempt to come to some understanding of these issues. And I think that's as much as we can ask of people. And let's be clear, we're totally open to new opinions and new facts and new new perspectives that will update our opinions. But I don't think we can say that people need to start with, the right quote unquote opinions. And if they don't have them, they are the devil and they should be killed. Literal Hitlers, literal Hitlers, which should be put pogromed. Over. Yeah. Pogrom them. Yeah. Right now I feel like we should sum up. Yeah. So like, what is our agreements position? and disagreements? I think we agree that harm is wrong. You can't take someone's culture and use it for profit. Well, you can take it for, Profit, so long as you're not taking away from their. If profit. you're not, if you're not profiting at their expense, yeah. I think we agree there, and I think we agree that perpetuating racist stereotypes not super cool. Don't do it. Are we just at my original definition? Uh, we're there, but then I think I have this additional layer right. of politeness, courtesy. If someone asks me not to do something, and I feel like I'm being asked at writ large from say native americans who feel hurt by the ceremonial headdress thing i feel that they're asking me or asking white people in general not to do something that they're doing right now that is pretty reasonable to not want because it's not doing you any harm and you, not you, wearing a headdress doesn't hurt me and it doesn't hurt really john cool brosif they're really cool and i think we can all agree they're really cool but <laughs> You don't have to have every really cool thing. Uh, I, I need to have every <laughs> real cool thing. But, okay, basically our point of disagreement is that you think someone whose feelings are hurt but are not being harmed. If they ask you and it's not going to hurt you. You should privilege their 
feelings over your mild annoyance. Yeah, your desire to wear the cool hat, your feeling that I should be allowed to wear this cool hat, to me, takes a backseat to someone who feels legitimately harmed, especially in a spiritual, religious, or ceremonial way that has a level of seriousness that I want to respect. Okay. I disagree with that, and I'm sticking to my original definition. That's okay. We're allowed to disagree here. Can I make one last, like, appeal? Let's close it up. Okay. So the real reason, like, the main, like, the reason that I don't want the debate to be governed by your rules, and I want it only to be governed by my rules, is that I think that seeing another culture's hat, thinking it's cool, and wearing it, is the way that we normalize and accept different cultures and people. And I think that impulse brings peoples closer together. And I think that those moments of opposition or offense or you didn't earn that are a million percent outweighed by the fact that it is normal to eat raw fish in America now. Interesting. So I would agree with your sentiment that bringing people together and discouraging tribalism is a noble goal that we should further. But I think we can still say maybe Iggy Azalea is not very good at it and she's doing it wrong. And I will respect the opinions of people who say that. I do not know enough about Iggy Azalea to make a make a determination myself I, I there. Think that, I think that the public at large has agreed that her songs are bumping. Huh. Okay, well, we can agree to disagree there. All uh, right, there we go. <laughs> Reasonable disagreement. Done. Well done. I'm Kevin. I'm uh, Rory. And we had a reasonable disagreement about cultural appropriation. Next week, religion. (laughs) (laughs) No! No!